Life Audio. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl. Today, we're continuing our discussion of Matthew chapter 10, and we're picking up at verse 7. And if you're just joining us, I would encourage you to go back to the beginning of the series, because we're going through an introduction to the Gospels, where we're working through the Gospel of Matthew little by little, and we're going through some of the background, the history, the culture, some of the things that we miss as modern readers. My hope is that this understanding will help you understand the the heart and the character and the nature of God, and that will help you understand how he typically would work in your own life using the scriptures as the model. So if you are wanting to dive a little bit deeper with this content, I want to just make you aware that on our Patreon page, which is linked in the show notes, you can find the journaling prompts that go through each and every episode. And then also we have family discussion guides. So if you're going through our kids podcast content, it wraps all of that information together so you can discuss that together as a family. And then again, if you'd like to dive even deeper, we have coaching and spiritual direction available for you. You can go to shehears.org to get information on all of that. So we are in Matthew chapter 10, and I'm picking up at verse 7. I'm going to be reading verses 7 through 15. It says, Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your money belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. When you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. So there's a lot to unpack here, and I think some of it are things that will be deeply encouraging to you as it was to me. I want to start with verse 7, where it's talking about this call that is following the ministry that Jesus has been doing. So the call that Jesus is now charging the apostles with is to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse that who have leprosy to drive out demons. And those things are precisely what Jesus has been doing up leading up until this passage in chapters eight and nine. And there's various healing stories that we see where Jesus is doing all these acts of ministry. And so now he's calling the disciples to this kingdom ministry that is really an extension of the ministry of Jesus himself. And I think it is so interesting because of the consistency we see. Not only is Jesus doing these things as an example, but then he's making this charge for the disciple to do these things. Yet these are some of the things that some of the more charismatic leaders would get flack for within the body of Christ. Think about things like healing the sick 
or raising the dead or cleansing those that have leprosy or driving out demons, I will be honest. There's a lot of times where I will go to minister the gospel. And those are the very things that I feel prompted in my spirit to to tell people about, to do, to pray for. And yet they want a teaching. And not that the teaching is bad. I think often they need to go hand in hand. But you'll notice that the teaching aspect of ministry, Jesus doesn't charge the disciples with that until the very end of his time on earth. And yet the things that we see Jesus doing up until this point, of course, he's teaching as well. But these very things that he's charging the disciples to do, we are sometimes rejected for in certain aspects of uh, ministry. And I just find that super interesting. I, I think it's a stronghold the enemy has on the body of Christ and just something that I wanted to point out. And yes, in case you're wondering my position, I do believe that Jesus still heals the sick. I think that the operation of the gifts is something that is still a blessing that God wants to be doing within the body of Christ. And I think it's interesting as we keep going, some of the things that we'll see in this passage. In verses 9 and 10, he says they're to travel light. And I love that aspect because as someone who travels to share the gospel, I think sometimes there's an expectation to show up with the latest clothes or the fanciest makeup or the newest Bible. And yet here we see Jesus telling them, travel light, because they're to be totally committed to their mission, not tied down with these worldly concerns. And, you know, there have been times where I've showed up to teach or preach or minister at a camp with jeans and a t-shirt on and flip-flops. And I've seen the move of God like you wouldn't believe, especially upon the hearts of teenagers. And then there's been other times where I have had all of the things that they say I needed, the dress code to fit into this certain color palette of the conference. And sometimes those messages fall flat because well, perhaps it's the attitude of the heart of the people that are hosting it, or perhaps I'm so caught up with all the rules and the regulations that that I'm not able to just give this message that, that God has burdened my heart with. And, you know, that's a learning process for all of us. But I think the bottom line here is that we're not to be so consumed with the things of this world that it overtakes the things that God is really calling us to do. And the message, the focus of the message isn't on us, it's on Him. As we move into 11 through 13, we're starting to talk about this idea of hospitality and what that really means. Because, you know, in this culture, showing hospitality, which would mean taking in travelers, it was one of the most important virtues in antiquity, in the area of the Mediterranean, but especially in Judaism. And so when we look at this passage in the book of Luke, he actually spells the greeting out that's mentioned here. This greeting where he says, when you enter a house, first say peace to this house. And so the Hebrew greeting was this word shalom, this idea of peace. And so it's referring to this gospel greeting where there's an offer of God's peace through the gospel of the kingdom. And so the greeting when somebody entered your home was essentially a requirement of the social etiquette of the day. And so for the Jewish people who were also kind of like prayers of wishing or blessing over those people that are offering hospitality, they would be praying for the well-being of the people that are hosting them in their home. And so Jesus takes this greeting to the next level where this prayer becomes this offer of salvation, and he's talking about the true peace of God. And so there's a couple implications here. The implication is that the person that is receiving the messenger is open to the message as well as the messenger. 
Because the worthiness of this household means that they are receptive to this gospel message of peace. True peace comes from the acceptance of this gospel message. And so if they respond and accept this gospel message, then God's peace will rest or remain on that home. And the peace comes from the missionary who has the authority to dispense it to that home. And so that probably goes beyond just the home where they are lodging. It probably goes to the homes that they're visiting and the entire town or the entire village. And so there is this understanding of this spirit-led peace that is virtually personified in this basic supernatural peace that is going to rest on this home or it's going to return to the missionary because the idea here is that if they are rejecting the gospel message from the missionary or if they are in opposition to it in any way, then that overtakes their hospitality. So if the peace of God were to leave that house and it would return to the missionary, then that house would now be under God's judgment. There's something really telling here, and it is the worthiness of the host. I think sometimes we think in terms of the one that is doing the speaking, but this is a very big clue to what hospitality actually looks like and those that are hosting the missionary, what that looks like. There's a worthiness of that individual. And there's two things. The worthiness is based on the reception of the missionary and reception of the message. And so there's an opportunity to either receive that message or reject that message. And so they're looking at this in terms of who is welcome into the home based on who is open to that message. And so that is the definition of the person that is worthy of the message. We we have to be responsive to both the missionary and the message. I think this is very telling about something that has been happening within the body of Christ for the last couple of years. And, you know, I always want you to measure what the missionary or the man of God or the preacher or the teacher is saying against scripture. That's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is the rejection of a gospel message based off of how it makes you feel. You know, there are parts of the gospel message that are offensive and there are people that want to accept parts of the gospel message and reject other parts of the message because of how it makes them feel. And so while they might love their pastor or love the missionary, if they say something that hits too close to home, that rubs them the wrong way, that calls out the sin in their own lives, the tendency is to reject that message versus understanding that perhaps there's a sin issue there that we need to deal with. And I think this is a very good example of what that means. See, the peace of God comes with the acceptance of that gospel message. So if you are rejecting that gospel message because of the way it makes you feel, you will not experience God's peace. The whole point of this understanding of peace is recognizing that that only comes through a heart and a mind and a life and behavior that is surrendered to Christ. So I think that's really, really telling. Also, when it says that Jesus withdrew from a place, that's often a sign that God has rejected them. So we we know this. We just talked about when Jesus was trying to work in that community where he had sent the, the demons into the pigs. And it said that that 
group of people, they rejected him. And what does it say he did? He withdrew from that place because he wasn't welcome there. That that gospel message was not welcome there. And I think about this in terms of the churches that are refusing to accept the gospel message, the truth of the gospel. What is the reality of that? The reality is, is if they refuse to listen to the heart of this gospel message, he withdraws from that place. And so if you are in a place where you are feeling like God has withdrawn I would challenge you to examine your heart and what was the last thing you know that God spoke to you? And if you have rejected that message, that's this indication of why the peace of God has withdrawn from your life. And then moving down to verse 14, it says, if any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. See, the implication here is, is there will be people that reject the gospel message. There will be people that reject you if you are taking the gospel message. So as much as we are called, just like the disciples, to go out and share this gospel message, it is inevitable that there will be people that reject this message. And so the pious Jews that were returning to holy ground would not even want the dust of pagan territory to cling to their sandals. And so the representatives of Jesus here are to treat these unresponsive regions or even these unresponsive people as unholy or as pagan. That's what he's saying here. This means that God has declared the place unclean. Virtually it's pagan and that's unworthy of the gospel message of the kingdom. And so to continue preaching there would be what we talked about a couple of weeks ago is casting your pearls in front of pigs because they're not going to listen. And so this reference to Sodom and Gomorrah is essentially referring to a wicked city because the sin is so great. God destroyed that city completely because that sin was so great there. And so they became this euphemism of God's wrath against sin. And so there's this understanding that, yes, we want to pray for people that reject this gospel message. We want to pray for God to get a hold of their hearts, but we don't want to waste our time. We're going to go and move on to the people that are hungry for God's word. Because what did he say? The harvest is plentiful. The harvest is ready. There are people that God has prepared that want to hear this gospel message. So instead of spending time arguing and fighting with people that are fighting against you, we don't cast our pearls before pigs. We move on, we shake the dust off of our feet, and we move on to the people that are ready and ripe and yearning for this message. And so that's, I think, my encouragement for you. When you find people that just want to argue against the gospel, and you know, we even have that in our own community, within our Facebook group our, that we have, there are some people that slip through the cracks. They they say that they want to learn more about the gospel, and then they're just there to argue. They're just there to debate the gospel. They're just there to to spew lies. You know what we do? We kick them out of the group. And I pray for them as they go, but we're not going to be there to stir up dissension. What we're going to do is we're going to feed the people that are hungry for God's word, and we're not going to waste our, our pearls. We're not going to cast them before swine. And I think that is something that's really hard for somebody that is called to share the gospel because our heart is for people. Our heart is that people would get it and experience God's peace. But sometimes you have to shake the dust off your feet and keep moving forward. Given that insight, I'm going to go back and reread starting at verse 7. Go and announce to them that the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy and cast out demons. Give as freely as you have received. Don't take any money in your belts, no gold, silver, or even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. 
Whenever you enter a city or village, search for a worthy person and stay in his home until you leave town. When you enter the home, give it your blessing. If it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. If it is not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day. God, we thank you that there's nothing that we can come up against in our lives that you have not dealt with, you have not seen, you have not prepared us for, God. I pray for those that feel this burden to share the gospel message with others and perhaps the resistance that they feel based off of certain people not being receptive to that message. God, remind them of this passage. Remind them that they it's predictable that they would meet such resistance and to not cast their pearls before swine, but God, that they would shake the dust off of their sandals and they would keep moving forward to the next village or to the next set of people that are primed for this harvest that you have prepared for you and for your word. God, Lord, I pray for the peace of God to rest on them as they share this gospel message and that they would not feel overwhelmed, but they would recognize that even the disciples hit this problem. Even you face this problem. God, Help us to feel encouraged in those moments to know that there's just another village, another person, somebody else, more people at work or or a different mission field that you've called us to. And God, we trust those people that have rejected that message. As hard as that is, we trust them to you. God, I thank you that we don't have to do this alone, but that you have empowered us and equipped us to do this kingdom work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, friends, we'll talk tomorrow. Hey friends, as we lean into a new month and we continue to learn and grow together, there's a couple resources I want to make sure you know about so you can take advantage of. The first is our Patreon page and the link for that is in the show notes. And on the Patreon page, we have a couple things. We have a dedicated space that is for discussion, for asking questions. You get easy access to me where we talk about things, we hold each other accountable. There are resources that go with the show, like a journaling prompt worksheet download for every single adult show. We also have family discussion guides. And what's really been neat about those is that on the kids show every day, I talk about the same content that's on the adult show, just taught in a way that kids can understand. Then the family discussion guides create an environment for you to process that information with your children. You can use that at the dinner table or even as part of your devotional routine. There's some suggested prayer and activities and things to help you connect that content to the appropriate age for your children. So all of that is on the Patreon. Also, there's some prophetic words, extra videos, transcripts, all those kinds of things. The second is on our website. If you go to shehears.org, there's a shop resources page that has my Bible studies that I've written, links to different journaling Bibles, note-taking Bibles, all sorts of resources to help you grow. And then also on our website, we have the coaching section. If you are finding that you need some spiritual direction or life coaching, that is available for you as well. And that's really good to help you process what you're learning. If you're feeling stuck, if you need to work through something, if something just isn't sitting right, or if you want to teach this content and you need to help develop a plan, I'm available to help you do that as well. Again, all of these are resources to help you grow in your spiritual life and hear God's voice more clearly. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you will find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. 
Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going.